Welcome everyone to another episode of the Valley Deep Mountain High podcast. As always, if you're not following already, head over to Instagram at, at the Valley Deep Mountain High, and that's where all the main content is. Tonight, I've got a special guest on the podcast with me, uh, a good friend, Jonathan Flynn. Uh, we've grown up together. He's known me almost as long as my twin brother has known me, since the age of about four or five. So good evening, Jonathan. Thanks for joining. Good evening, Andrew. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm happy that the technology side of it has worked all right. Yeah, it's the first time for everything, and certainly this is the first time I've done this, so working <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so first off, uh, where can people find you on uh, on Instagram and, and stuff like that? So I'm on Instagram under uh, nice underscore guy underscore Johnny. Uh, you can follow me on there. Um, and I'm also under Instagram under pheromone underscore poem. I write poetry about nature and adventures and parenting and all sorts of stuff on there if you're interested as well. Awesome. I'm sure a few people chat out. So um, what I'll do then is I'll uh, we'll just have a chat, mate, about uh, our quite unique upbringing and, and obviously how long we've known each other. Um, yeah. You know, obviously very similar to one that I did with Mark because um, I know you've listened to that one and it's a fair, yeah. that one's been the most popular episode so far, which is quite good really because it's one of the first ones we did. Um, so for those listening, um, me and Jonathan go way back. Um, I've been very fortunate to have this, this, uh, this wonderful guy, uh, as a friend since the age of about four years old. Um, I think it's probably about that, isn't it? Since nursery. So you're about four, aren't you? And you're in nursery. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember walking into nursery and seeing you and your brother there and thinking like, wow, it's two of them. There's a clone. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was seeing double. Yeah. So now, yeah, good to see you. I think what um, what really sunk in for me was um, when you got married. I remember having a drink with your dad, and uh, he was like, "What you guys have got, obviously collectively, because there's a couple of us who've known each other that long and stayed in touch." He was like, "Is a it's a really unique and quite a special um, friendship. Very very rarely do people stay friends with people that long, uh, especially in into their adult life." And at the time, it was a bit like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> But now, looking back on that conversation, I'm like, do you know what, actually, looking at um, the people that we've all grown up with in school and think, you are very unique, I think, having having a group of friends that that not only, you know, know each other, but have also done the same hobbies and interests and experiences growing up, you know. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, my dad um, wisely told you that. I didn't really mention it to me, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but, he, but, yeah, I think... Yeah, sometimes with your dad, it gets a bit difficult to talk about certain things. And yeah, yeah I reckon it's dead important to have that sort of um, that bond, especially built on a lot of similar experiences. And yeah. just going back to my wedding, actually, I'm, I'm glad you reminded me about that. Um, I remember in the speeches I was talking about the power of, of yes, saying yes. And I think you and your brother really uh, gave me that lesson was to be open to new experiences and new ideas and take on these things. And it's, it's, it's a, partly it's about confidence and about thinking you can do it. But mostly it's about just being there at the right time and saying, right, okay, we're going to do this. And that attitude shift really changes you, how much is open to you and what kind of experiences you have. I, yeah. I, I really like, that's one of the biggest things that you guys have given me. And, it, you know, I just could have been a passenger in my life. But actually, I've steered it in a few directions I wanted to because I, I said, yeah, right, I want to do that. 
So yeah, yeah thank you. That, well, well, again, you know what I mean? Like, I remember when, when obviously me, me and Mark mentioned this very belief on on it was either that one that I did with him or another episode. But he, I asked him for a piece of advice, and he was like, "I'll give you a piece of advice that that Jonathan said." And um, I get like hearing you say it then as well as it you went, it's it's quite a humbling thing because obviously to me and 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 you know I'm sure Mark feels the same way that we're just two like lads and. I would just do that for anyone and be mates. So, you know, to have people who've known me entire life come to me and say, you know, the experiences that we've had and, and trips away and all that is, is all helped, you know, change me into the person that I am. It's, it's you know, it's it's a unique thing, I think. Uh, but equally, you know, that goes two ways. I think one of the reasons, you know, I was, I was keen to have you on and talk about this sort of stuff is because we're, as, as well as being that, you know, good mates, um, We've, we all share a common ground of, of our upbringing being very similar because, um, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, I've mentioned my dad on a, on a few um, episodes and things like that and how much of sort of like an influential person he was. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, an, an impeccable person to me in my life, um, you know, an absolute hero in my eyes. Uh, and sadly for him to have, you know, have passed away the way that he did um, was a huge point in my life um now looking back at that obviously because it was you know 10 years ago, the people that were have, have always been close to me in my life this yourself and a couple of others um they all had the same loss as what what i had um arguably one or two of them if not more um and again that you know i don't really put that down to the you know him as an individual i put that down to the experiences that he sort of you know let us all do and, and go away so going into a couple of them then one of our first proper expeditions together um, and a way was, you know, becoming mate songs was Africa. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, going <laughs> to Kenya at the, the very young age of just turning 18 and being, you know, flown halfway across the world and, and left to our own devices. Um, I basically touched on the fact that obviously, you know, we, for those who haven't heard that episode, we, we built a school, we did some youth work, did some medical care, um, climbed out Kenya Chilled out on a beach in Malindi on the Indian Ocean, which was a unique <laughs> experience in itself because that sounds like it was really relaxing and it wasn't. Um, so I thought your experiences and, and, and what you took from that trip or, or, or it go, even going further back, our, our sort of like upbringing together, if you will. Um, do you want to just share a bit of that with us then? So go, going from like, you know, a child to Africa, we'll, we'll break it into sections like that then. Yeah, that but, sounds good. So yeah, um... go for it. So I remember, like, I remember <laughs> having these sort of adventures. Um, like, my own family had an influence on that. My dad was yeah. quite active as um, he did the Three Peaks and that when I was young. But I think, like, work and family life and stuff caught up with him a bit and he slowed down some of the involvement. Mm. Um, but I remember going on holidays to the Lake District and being sort of inspired by the nature and the, the, the countryside, the epic scenery that going on there. And it still does inspire me. Yeah, because, sorry to jump in there, because obviously <laughs> the introduction they might make, it sounds like you haven't had a family, and you definitely do. You know, your mum and dad have been hugely influential in, in my life as well. You know, like Dennis yeah. and Denise are absolute legends, but your dad is also an absolutely incredible photographer as well. Yeah, yeah, he really yeah. is. So that was that's his main jump-off point for um, landscape photography especially, and yeah. getting to know, he's really details-focused, my dad, um, which... <laughs> we've fallen out about sometimes but he um 
he really dives into like the history of a place or you know what was there what kind of features mm. all all the sort of massive education around that you can have and um that turned me in a lot to seeing nature and being part of it and spending time in the outdoors and then yeah. um you know best friends in school you guys and again yeah. like your dad's action man he's doing everybody activity <laughs> you can think of and uh, i remember when we went around to your house that we had a you had a picture of him didn't you absolutely yeah, down yeah. um in the action man regalia and uh, yeah he just he had all the kit he had like loads of knowledge and basically everything the world was his oyster like he, he'd say right we're doing this and it, it'd sound bonkers and no way would my mum have said oh yeah yeah go go caving or go abseiling or do whatever you want but because your dad was involved it was all like all better yeah, off fine. it was safe yeah yeah the safe <laughs> with Mark. Safe, safe in inverted commas I mean what is mad Mark mentioned as well he was like you know now it's like it's almost common practice there's a there's a lot of people in the outdoors doing different extreme sports and trying different things and social media plays a big part in it because obviously back when we were kids and obviously you know and, and my dad and, and dave and lee and that were like you know mid to late 20s early 30s no one was really doing some of this stuff it was it was either like elite athletes who were going around the world doing it but the stuff that was going on in like you know normal life like what we do now as hobbies was it was still like up and coming yeah it was you know uh, yeah, you only have to look back. Um, I'm big on my mountain bikes, and if you look at the retro mountain biking scene, you know that was that time in it late '80s, early '90s. That was just landing in the UK, and it was like proper outsiders that were doing that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, no, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. Your dad and Lee and Dave and all them sort of people, I guess they were outsiders to an extent. Um, yeah, they weren't interested in the run of the mill kind of activities that people were doing to fill their time on a weekend they were interested in doing something completely out of the box and yeah and they had the the strength of character and the um the charisma to carry that off you know yeah <laughs> not a lot of people would sign up to go caving with joe blogs you have to have a certain amount of um chutzpah and confidence and and people have to believe in you to put their lives in your hands because it's it is literally like that. You know, you you're making yeah. these risks, calculated risks all the time. I think it shows, um, especially to the world who see, you know, what because I'm very open about the activities I do and, and the lifestyle I have, um, especially online because I want to help inspire others. You know, when people are, oh, you do loads of stuff, and I'm like, it's been part of my life since I was a kid, though. And like going back on, obviously, like you know how it shaped you as a character. I remember when um mbr mountain bike rider magazine first came out we were kids and um my dad and one of his mates dave took martin bikes in a disused mine and rolled them underground in a free route and sent the article into mbr and was like we've just done this do you want to post it in your magazine because it's just released and their response was no it's too dangerous <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's it was amazing like dead funny but i was just like Wow, because you remember, obviously, not to dwell on it too much, but I remember it like at his funeral, we had that big sort of collage of like photographs of him doing all this mental stuff. And that was one of the photographs that was on there was him riding this like mountain bike underground, yeah. being like, you know, a first. And it, to be fair, I've not really seen many of, I haven't really seen anyone else do anything like that since, to be fair, because it is mental. Yeah, the, uh, a lot of them are stage shoots that they have to do it to, to make it look like not as dangerous as, as it would be. Yeah, that was definitely dangerous. Well, there's two <laughs> there's two mad spots combined, especially mountain biking in the 92 or whatever it was. 
eight yeah. mountain biking now, there's no disc brakes or nothing like that. And caving, well, that's always dangerous, isn't it? As we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people get hurt and die all the time doing stuff underground. This is what I mean. Like, quite often you'll see people like, you know, when we posted trips of us going underground, um, obviously we've got lots of experience. Um, Dave's an instructor. Um, he's nearly always with us, you know. And then you see people just finding these places and going in and you're like, have you any idea how, how quickly it can go wrong? Yeah. It, it only takes one thing and it, you're done. You know yeah. what I mean? Really, really scary <laughs> so, to see some of the... And I guess that can also be the element of social media that um, people don't don't respect the work that's gone into that. So getting your quals or being skilled up about it or taking um, a risk of taking leadership around a group. You know, they want the yeah. the, the perfect shot or they want the, um, the sound bite or the image of them doing something awesome. And mm. there is a risk to that. And I guess... One thing I wanted to talk about as part of this conversation was like this risk reward idea that came into my head. And that was part of growing up was to yeah. inform this idea of risk and reward. And uh, maybe we'll come on to it in a bit more depth in a bit, but yeah, just sort of leave it hanging there. So anyway, yeah, yeah I met you guys and um, we did a lot of stuff and organized in a sense, I think, um, I think your dad wanted to keep you two out of trouble. So we went to scouts, didn't we? We did cubs, we did um, beavers, we did all that with Mike. Yeah. And that was great. Yeah. That was a good way of like um, settling settling the parents' nerves on my end, certainly about, right, we're going to do this. And I remember Bill taking yeah. us up mountains and that was another, See, like, he's looking, another person looking who... Back own, looking back on, say like, especially scouts on its own, um, because obviously my you know my lads go to go to beavers and stuff like that now as well because i could argue the fact of quite a lot of the ways that develop your character in the outdoors it gained obviously from being a you know young child mm-hmm. um but i know that the responsibility that you were given at a young age when we were kids doing that sort of stuff it isn't there now so like you would quite openly let you carry like a knife yeah you know and now that is unheard of because everyone's like it's dangerous but I, never once did anything happen you know, um, and again, you know, it, it's developing your youth in that way. And looking back at it now, I think God, some of the situations we got ourselves in when we were in, like, when we were kids in Scouts, we were mental, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd never, like, I'd, I'm really keen to push, you know, my lads into doing everything that I do. And I'm very open with them, letting them try different stuff in the outdoors. And if it's a bit mental, I'm like, yeah, yeah, have a go, you know. Um but I'm, I'm not too sure I'd be too keen on doing some of the stuff that I did when, when, when we were kids, like, yeah, because it was mad. It was a bit um, funny. So, but, go on, sorry. But I was going to say, yeah, but no, I, I think um, that was a key point, I think, to note is that obviously, you know, not only did, you know, my parents push me off to go and do, like, scouts and cadets and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, your parents let you sort of, like, do that as well. And, again, that was kind of like, you know, we were we were mates throughout obviously education and school but we did all this stuff outside of school as well and it was there's lots of people who've helped build you know these characters of you know ourselves and many others to be where we're at today um because obviously i get a lot of people look at mine and, and just sort of assume that you know i've, I've just gained it overnight i'm like yeah. no you know this it's come from a long 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 background of doing stuff but sorry mate carry on so, mate. sorry that's so no, fine i think yeah just that point's really good because people yeah people want the shortcuts don't they they want the success yeah. without the the dog days and the hard bits and 
And also, I'm not, I'm not saying that my childhood was rough or anything. We had an amazing childhood because we had uh, parents who were willing to give us that opportunity. And um, and I think Africa, going on that trip to Africa, was kind of like the big signal, the big epitome of, right, this is what, you, what your childhood together has been building towards because we were five mates and mm. we had a sound relationship there. And... I felt like a bit of um like we're paving away a bit. That's that sounds yeah. that sounds a bit, you know, grandiose, whatever, but um that's how I felt. It was to be given that opportunity at 17 and all the legwork we did between 16 and 18 to do to go on the trip, to be given that opportunity yeah. was really humbling and but kind of scary, daunting at the same time. You know, most people hadn't been abroad. Um I I'd never that was my first um plane. My first flight anywhere. You know? All the way to Nairobi. Uh, <laughs> mate, I just, I kind of laughed about it when I was, because me and Mark have like spoke a lot about that trip and, and it's only looking back at it now, I think. God, it, it, you know, you would, you would, you would deem yourself at 18 being like, you know, yeah, I'm 18, I'm a lad. And, and, you know, many people do sort of think of that. However, you know, looking at it now from the age of 34, 18 is not, and you're not an adult. You might be an adult in the eyes of the law, but we were still very much, you know, young lads. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the relationship with like me, my brother, you, um, Paul and, and Jenny, who was on that trip as well, we'd all grown up together and all done this stuff. So like you said, you know, it it kind of sort of let us loose on an expedition at 18 to a third world country. And like even getting there was mental. Like we were left at a house somewhere down south. We'd not met anyone at all. And they were like, "Yeah, you're getting out here, and this is where this is where it starts. They'll take you to the airport tomorrow." And we were like, "What's his name?" Yeah, <laughs> you'll find out. He was like, "Oh, you know, like just left us." Um, <laughs> but that trip was absolutely, I think, from the get go, from the landing in in the at Nairobi, where it kind of like bounced along the runway and slid <laughs> left and right a bit, yeah. and there was genuinely people screaming. I was sat there thinking this is mental. Like, I've never been through an airport in another country. So to go through one in what is, you know, Nairobi's, it, it, you know, nowadays it's very different to what it was then for lots of reasons. Mm. But by no means is that a modern airport, you know. Not the wing we landed on. <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't when we went. No. And, and like I said, like, laughed with Mark saying, do you remember the guy who ran off with my rucksack? And, like, at the time, everyone thought it was dead funny. But I was like, my first experience in another country on my own is someone just run off with my kit like all of my kit like what do we do so i run after him and chased him i was like give him and then he was like you pay me i'm not paying you you're giving me all my gear back <laughs> and um, the guy who was with us who was supposed to be look after just laughed i went oh yeah it's just africa i was like wonderful yeah i think um yeah. i think people especially my age now even though i've been i think i'd still struggle with elements of that like the overwhelmed overwhelming sensation of going to the airport and getting off and, and everything being yeah. very different like completely different to like airports in europe and in the far eastern places the, the very sort of sterile environments aren't there? there's not a lot going on everyone's yeah. segregated and they're moving in the right directions and all very orderly it was not orderly mm. in nairobi international airport there and then there was the <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the, the the only feeling i've had similar to that airport was when I'd flown out to uh, Afghanistan, because I went out on my own after everyone else. Right. And um, I think it's because I was going to an unknown. Obviously, it was my first deployment, and that feeling was very much 
there when we were when we were like 18 as kids being left in because obviously like you know you had all your money on you and all, all i knew is that like i had to keep the money in my passport on me at all times because we were going to a country that you know arguably isn't very stable at the best of times mm-hmm. um we said obviously certain places we went to when when we were there definitely isn't now because you can't go there um you know but like what what a show of trust as well though you know from our parents to be like we're well, gonna go away for like six or eight weeks whatever it was almost gonna leave on your own yeah she's yeah. like oh, no phones or anything i remember my dad talking my mum round because even like on the way to the the drop-off for the first bus it was like i don't want you to go because she was really worried yeah. about what might happen to me um mm. and she took into account army aid and that and my dad really stood his ground and said look no he needs to go he's not going to get an opportunity like this you know yeah. and he's worked hard to get there and um it was the last thing i wanted was like a family debate on the way to the airport but there we were um yeah. so props to my dad for for uh you know standing up to my mum and, and saying that's yeah, gonna happen exactly. yeah i mean no no doubt did that conversation happen i think with everyone yeah you know? um <laughs> The one person I felt for in the old trip really was Jenny, um, because obviously she's an identical twin as well, and, and Sarah didn't. Come. Yeah. Um, now obviously they're twins as well. You know we've known them our entire lives too. Both fantastic girls. Um, however, Je- you know they did do different things growing up. So Jenny was very much a part of like our lives. Mm-hmm. You know she grew up doing sailing with us and stuff like that. Because again that that was a massive factor of our lives. Was like every Saturday. We went sailing, yeah, and we went sailing all day, all year. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, and what this is the thing, like you know, I was was trying to explain to um, last time I was away in the lakes with a with a group. um, I was explaining, obviously, that you know the influences you have when you're younger and the experiences you have play a big part of your life, and you should take these experiences where you've got the opportunity. Um, And I was like, the people that you become friends with and stay with throughout your life will will help you later on. Now, obviously. My dad ran um, a sailing group, Salford Sailing Group, and it was for um, disadvantaged youths. It didn't cost anything, and they were taught sailing and given qualifications for free out of it. Um, we all did that growing up. But obviously, when my dad passed away, um, I was not in a position to take on that club. Um, massive charity, um, lots and lots and lots of work involved. Uh, and my head wasn't there to take it on. I was just really upset. I just didn't want to be around it. Um, again, big part of my youth, the massive part of, of who my dad was, and you took it on. You know, you were you were you were one of the people who helped and was like, oh, "I'll do it." You know, and um, again, you know, that's that's point and parcel to you know to the experience I'd grown up, being able to sort of step in and go, "Well, I'll, I'll do that because he's doing." Yeah, you know? um, your dad had approached me just before, and he was always looking for someone to 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 take it on, and I knew some other people had been asked um, like previously. And that life gets yeah. in the way sometimes. And it's one of these constant things that, like, the impact of the sailing club on, or the sailing group, should I say, rather than the sailing club, on my life, but loads of people's lives has been massive. And I can't, yeah. like, overstate it enough. It is, a, I would say, a massively defining feature of, of me and like my personality as you see it today. So yeah. um, I remember, yeah, having the opportunity to go, learning something that wasn't, it wasn't a mainstream sport, but I would never have had the opportunity to do that had, I, had it cost me money out of my own pocket. 
no way I could have afforded it. No, no, because it's an expensive hobby. And, and not only that, though, the things that come with learning to sail at a young age. Um, one, obviously, it's, you know, there's a lot of theory that goes into it that you don't really take on as a kid. You don't really understand you're learning theory, but you are. Um, obviously, because there's a lot that goes into it. There's, but it also, I, I think, for me, definitely, um, it taught me another element of discipline because um, you have to get along with people who are in your boat. Um, but it also taught you how to just continue when you call them wet. <laughs> yeah. um, because, like I said, we did it all year round. And there was like times when I remember putting on a... I remember he, he had a laugh for me when I come back um, from being away. And I said to my dad, I was like, oh, and my wetsuit was like nearly always cold and wet. He went, oh, yeah, sometimes I used to just don't come in cold wet before I give them to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, why? And he went, well, it just toughens you up, doesn't it? And I look at it now and I think, mate, that is like the most brutal way of of teaching someone to just crack on. Because obviously they don't stay cold and wet for a long time. But putting on, obviously I'm sure there's many people listening, you put on a wet wetsuit, it's grim. But doing that at the age of like, you know, 11 12 13 it's like it's not what you won't be doing at half past seven on a saturday morning <laughs> no it's you not. know having been up and done your paper round prior that like, you were forced to do as well you know i think um but then well, another part of of, of 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 our life after that though as well for, so obviously growing up through throughout our life we did multiple things so obviously we did beavers cubs and scouts and at the time of doing sort of cubs and scouts we were doing sailing on saturdays uh, we were climbing during the week together uh, and then obviously we got to a certain age, we then all did cadets together yeah, cadets. as well. And again, cadets isn't it cadets when we were in cadets, it was very different to what it is now. And I and I know that now, I've obviously seen it from a serving point as well. Um like it's just very different. Or, or I think all youth organizations are different now because there's loads of red tape, whereas when we were doing it, it wasn't Yeah, it was much. pretty loose. Um like we had a water fight with right cannons, <laughs> I remember that. I remember a chin up landing <laughs> on the deck. In front of a group of like kids, yeah, kids. thirty kids, and just it being the best day of your life, and like there was yeah, no air protection, yeah, you was getting the downdraft. Like any of those kids had stood up, they'd been chopped to bits or blown over by the rotor wash. Yeah, that was because that was I remember that, and that was just close. <laughs> like having 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 seen them on deployment and been in them on deployment as well. Like that as a kid, that that was definitely. Like on par with being away, it's like they'd never get no away, away. With it now. There'd be so <laughs> many lawsuits, but you know, um, it, it's not something I'm going to bring up in a negative context at all. I, I love it, and I remember I work in a school now, yeah. so they have, um, the army come in to do like um, talking about well, cadet, the cadet force, but also the British Army come in and they're talking about opportunities and remembrance and, and lots of different aspects. We've got a good relationship with a local uh, recruiting officer. And um, yeah. one of the things we're talking about is um, going on a tour of a chin-up. And it was my assembly. And I was like, well, I've been on one. It landed, you know, and when I was in cadets <laughs> and the guy, the guy was looking across like, no, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell them we're going to do that because they're not. Yeah, I mean, um, so again, all those experiences growing up, obviously, you know, help shape you into the person that you are. And Obviously, growing up, obviously, you, you do go your separate ways and, and, and to some extent. Obviously, you know, we've all got families and we do very different jobs. And, you know, like when I was when I joined the army, you, and you, you went to university and, and, and we all went different ways. But we all stayed in touch because we had this sort of this this sort of bond sort of put into us of like, well, you've got to stay mates, but you need to sort of continue doing these things and say yes to doing more. Um, 
and likewise now obviously i do we, do, we all have very similar hobbies um but obviously you're massively into like mountain biking and trail running and and they're all things like you know i've, I've seen you like you know some of the some of the events you've competed in when you've been running and i'm like wow <laughs> Well, I know yeah, um, <laughs> I guess it's having a discipline to, uh, and confidence again to say, right, yeah, I can do this, and it's achievable. And sometimes you get caught up by that. Yeah. You know, you'd be slogging your guts out, thinking I've not brought enough food, or I've I've, uh, I've written a check account cashier, and you're miles away from anyone, and it's yeah. it can be lonely. It can be a lonely place, but um, you yeah. just have a word with yourself and crack on because it doesn't last forever. And normally, nine times out of ten, you've either paid or you've invested a whole lot of time in doing it, so you better start enjoying it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, they're good fun. Um, and mm. I think when you're talking well, about character, like, it all adds up. You know, it's, it wasn't like, like you say, it wasn't overnight that we just decided to, get, you know, get hard-faced about the elements and, and take it all on and, and get risky. It's... Ever since we've been growing yeah. up, we've had it in view that right, the outdoors isn't a place to fear. It's, it's a lot of experience to be had in, in pushing yourself and going the extra mile in these mm. areas. And it should be enjoyed and yeah. savoured. You should savour some of those experiences because there's a lot more to offer, in my opinion, in an outdoor space than sometimes there is, you know, inside and and... I don't know where I'm going with that conversation, but you know what I mean. No, no, no. I totally get it. I mean, because because like a good a great example is obviously not too long ago we um a, a group of us went um we were in the lake to oh, yeah. paddleboarding and the weather was the weather went from being really good to really bad, um and that like I said that bond of being like so there was there was uh, a couple of us on the lake, um um I think Emily and Jay were were quite a way away we were right in the middle of coniston which is like it's a it's a big place to be and it's a, a big open bit of water mm-hmm. to be in on just a board you know there's it's very different than being in a boat and um when this weather just went from being calm to an immense storm um jen disappeared and i literally i was like well i'm closer to jonathan and mark's closer to jen i literally turned to mark and went you go with her and i'll stay with jonathan and there was no argument with anyone because i was like i trust mark's ability to be able to do what it needs to do and I know that yours is the same as mine because we've all grown up together, you know, and that's happened a few times. Like, I remember when, um, I think it was Triffin one year, um, that it was, I think you were there because there was a few people who'd come from Search and Rescue as well. And um, there was a group that were having a bit of a drama. And I think that's the first time it was either yourself or Richard who said they saw me go through being like, are you right, I'm Andrew? Yeah, to, no, this is, this is what we are doing. Yeah. you are doing it like <laughs> you need to either be with us and you know stop prattling about or you're going down like that is this is this is not the place to be you know for that type of behavior like you know in winter it's not the place to mess yeah. about and um in fact it was uh it was bauer oh yeah bauer yeah you noticed it and he was like wow <laughs> i've never seen you be like that and i was like mate like some sometimes it needs to be you know you've got to switch it on and be like no this is what we are doing you and it like you said it's having that confidence to sort of step up and be like this is what needs to happen now like we did um we did a trip underground i'm not gonna say where it is because it's it's quite accessible it's in north wales and you were with us um oh, yeah. Dave, Aaron, you know and um that was a free trip you know of, of you know quite a long day it normally takes about eight hours to do that trip now um 
so it's you climb up a mountain, you go through a, a disused slate mine. It's and it's about an eight-hour through trip, and it's a hard day, and it's it's not an easy day. Um, but the first time we did it was like a twelve-hour day, obviously because we we'd not done the route before. Um, quite a bit of you know the maps that are underground. Sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not. Um, and finding the exit was not the easiest in the dark. But we it, it conspires afterwards. We came out of a different exit, so. We then had to like solo up this cliff <laughs> um, in the rain and then summit an unknown peak in the dark to come down. And I remember saying to you, like, now normally this would freak people out, but we've because we've grown up together and we've all done this, you know, I know that I could leave you at the top of an abseil and be like, right, mate, in a minute, cut yourself in and off you go. And you go, yep, okay. And I trust your ability to do it because you've had the same teaching as what I've had. Um, which is why I'm always sort of an advocate for people going in the outdoors, but do it right. You know, don't just sort of watch me do it once and then just clip in and yeah. jump off because there's a lot Absolutely. that can go wrong. Um, you know, and, and again, but that trip as well, that was that was an eye opener. That was a bit of a character builder. Even That's still in, the you know, most exciting thing I've ever done in the UK, for, for sure, and maybe long term, because it, yeah. it was so, um, we didn't know what to expect and we were prepared for all eventualities. Yeah. I remember having a blow up kayak on my back. Dragging that round upside down. <laughs> you definitely... Well, I, I had a rope and being like, oh, it's fine because um, as long as it stays dry, it's not that heavy. And then within about 20 minutes of being in, I stacked it and went completely underwater and was like, great. <laughs> all my kit is dry, but that rope definitely is in it. And the weight yeah. on that bad boy, uh, having it added on all day. You know, like, again, like it's the little things that you pick up on. like Even just sort of the basics of like nutrition for that day of what food can you take that will sustain you for that day you know i remember sort of like every hour sort of smashing like an energy gel and maybe a bit of food because of like well i don't really want to be touching food that i'm gonna put in my mouth because underground is minging um you know by the nature you're buried <laughs> effectively um you know but i know that like you know say a scientist bought energy gel caning one of them every hour whilst you're doing you know high output activity is is you know a great source of you know nutrition but it's only from doing these things and learning yeah. along the way and you know, when you say yeah. about you know getting thrust into sort of leadership, I remember sailing. I really remember vividly when I was sixteen. Um, a lot of you've gone on a trip. I think when when you went to the Pharaohs. Remember when you went to the Pharaohs? Now I wasn't on yes. that trip. Yeah, because sample. You, you no, you were um, one, I no? missed the boat figuratively and literally. So I remember uh, Tony <laughs> Paul said he, he rang us up and he's like, "Right, what are you doing?" And I had. Not a thing on planned for summer. I think I wanted to play Gran Turismo or something, and that wasn't going to happen. So he said, <laughs> "Right, come with me." And basically, me, Tony, and your dad, we were running. I was only sixteen. We were doing three sessions a week at sailing, one in the day with um, yeah. some people from like uh, the yacht, Youth Offenders Trust. They yeah. were coming in. I was teaching them how yeah. to sail doing water safety, doing all that. They'd go, another group would arrive for the evening session. And mm. I, that was amazing. It was like my summer, being 16, off all summer, it was like my second job. And then Saturdays was Saturdays, yeah, yeah. do what you do. And it was really informative for how I would be. And I took that identity I built in that summer to college with me. And that was a really good fresh start and interesting in its own right. Um, but I could rely on the fact that I had mm. to do these things. And what was interesting was some of these people from the yacht, you know, they were like 21-year-olds, 18-year-olds. And I was 
uh, to command yeah. their attention and give them direction because if they didn't, the, the boat would sink. And sometimes the boat did sink. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that um, that yeah. was what was required. Well, I, I, I touched on that with um, I, I touched on that with uh, with Emily who was on. Now she's she's a girl who I've known for a couple of years because I'm friends with her mum, and she's took it on. She's you know she's in the process of gaining her outdoor tickets to be an instructor. Mm-hmm. She's only twenty. Um, so she's just done a skiing instructor. She's she's getting to do some more towards that when when she can travel and she's looking at doing her ML and stuff. Um, and I said to her, I was like, one of the biggest things you'll probably struggle with is being put in a position of of authority and trust over people who are older than you. Because I remember obviously having this you know fantastic you know upbringing and very privileged to have had the experiences we had, but also then coming from the military where confidence is key. You you've got to be confident in what you're doing. Um, then I went to class and, and you had confidence again instilled in you to be like, you are an instructor, you will need to stand up and be like, I am the one that you listen to and sort of command a room as such, um, but not mm-hmm. in a cocky way. And the first time I was doing any instructing was to a group of adults who were all older than me. Um, and a lot of them, well, I didn't say anything at first because I thought, I just want to see how they sort of take, you know, this young lad, you know, in his, you know, in his late 20s sort of, you know, telling them what to do. And um, he went, well, you've, what have you done with your life? I bet you've only been to university. And I was like, well, you've not asked me what I've done. He went, well, go on then, tell me. He went, anyone can do a two-week course. So I then spilled out this big, long <laughs> list of stuff that I've done. And I went, and also, I've, uh, I've not, this isn't the first job, mate. No, I've just, you know, I've done a lot of different stuff and my qualifications weren't a two-week ticket either. And afterwards, this guy's face was like, I'm really sorry. I was like, if I should do something, it's because... It's coming from a you know a voice of experience more than anything. I, I want you to have a good time, you know. So just do as I ask and, and you'll have a fantastic day. Or we'll do the same day that you want to do, but you probably won't enjoy it because you'll be at like you know, ahead with me all day, basically. And afterwards he was dead polite and was like, Oh, listen, you I think I've learned a lot from today, from the fact that you know you are young but you're very experienced. And I was like, yes. oh, it's great. <laughs> You know, and again, that's that's from like you said, in it from being, you know, from being a very young age. You know, because quite often, you know, especially like with sailing and stuff, I know that like my dad or or Tony that had sort of they would give you a task, you know, whatever age you were at, to the group and be like, you're going to be in charge yeah. today and run today. You know, and if it didn't go right, they'd be like, what? Well, we'll sort it, fix it, make that happen. You know, and that then played out when we were in Kenya. Like I had a I had a chat about um, how we kind of flipped a coin for his cooking <laughs> breakfast on summit day. <laughs> And it was Mark. And we were all, but again, you know, in getting oh. by some little beast. Um, but uh, again, you he didn't argue. Mark didn't go, well, I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know, most 18-year-old lads in a group who were mates, if you were to put them anywhere, and I can say this, obviously, we've been doing a lot of youth work as well, is if you said, right, one of you is cooking, start cooking, they would argue or it wouldn't get done. Now, when we were away, we all had set jobs to do and we just alternated them and it just got done. There was no... I think we were the only group that didn't fall out because the girls who were there, you know, I touched base on sort of saying that, you know, there was we were lucky enough or unlucky, are you ever what lucky at 18 to be put with 25, <laughs> 18-year-old girls from Ireland, which sounds like it was going to be any 18-year-old lad's dream. But on an expedition, it was an absolute nightmare. It was because the fighting and falling out that they all did with each I other think, was just... Yeah. It was something else, wasn't it? I think you have to have been there to really believe us saying it weren't a good experience that. That was... If we weren't all mates prior to going, you know, it has the potential to ruin the trip because we just distanced ourselves from it and said, well, let them fall out then. We'll let them do what they want. 
you know. And also, they were the only ones who got sick as well on that trip because they're admin subpar, was, yeah, subpar. Not admin. We had it instilled in this little kid, like chickens. Those little parasites, yeah, them, them horrible. Par- I remember being terrified of them, being like, I do not want one of them, I do not want any parasite at <laughs> no all. Thanks. Um, because I mean, like, on top of obviously the stuff that you can and can't see, um, that will make you very sick in Africa. Um, the environment itself was very different at a young age, so like, obviously, you know, a bit grim, but obviously, we saw that oh, horrific yeah. car accident where that fuel tank had rolled over that minibus and killed everyone. That was seeing that at 18 was was pretty grim, but obviously, you do. Um, do you remember when we walked through that? Um, we walked through a market, and Paul went, Is that a body over there? and we turned around, it was just a body yeah. just laying the road, weren't they? And we were like, Wow, and one of the one of the one of the guides who were on the thing went, "Oh, it's a common sight here. That so you, you'll just have to get used to it." Like, didn't didn't sort of go, "Oh, sorry, he's all right." You know, didn't look at you like you were young, you know, kids effectively. You know, young adults, kids, have you a classic? Just went, yeah. yeah you need I to think it's to, to their credit and that they didn't completely... sugarcoat a lot of exactly the raw experience yeah. of what it was. And um, you know, I think any guide worth the salt would have said. Or that you know that that's an experience because you can't explain it away and you, you're not going to really console people around it they just the, the work is going to be yeah, around well, well, well this is this is the reality of of it and i guess a lot of people that will go through that guiding company are, are going to be from a privileged position in their own lives you know either financially or, yeah. or wh- however they've raised the money to do it and relative mm-hmm. privilege is relative as well so obviously relative to the people that are there living in um in some of the shanty towns we went to and some of the slums and things and um even even the rural areas yeah. which were like idyllic in terms of how they looked but there wasn't a lot of opportunity there you know we were very privileged yeah um yeah I've, I've been on some other trips well, um, well that, that in itself go on. yeah that that in itself so just to touch on that then sorry mate um so with africa that in itself was Obviously, you know, you'll, you'll say to people, oh, we did this expedition at 18. People will look at it like we had, like, loads of money, but we raised that money ourselves. Now, the other people who were going, um, that group, they just, the parents paid for it. You know, we and we we didn't. I think it's probably why we all sort of took a different view on it, because we were like, yeah, we're really lucky to be here. Yeah, and we put a lot, we put, like, nearly two years' worth of work into buying our place, effectively. Like, you know, one of them booked that place three weeks before going. And I remember being like, wow, you know, your mum and dad would just drop like, you know, four grand on you to just, you know, have a trip away. Whereas like we, we had to fundraise all our own yeah. money to, to pay for everything. Um, and again, you know, it, it, it is, it's one of the things that's relevant in it, I think, to, to your Absolutely. And I think I took those lessons it, further, actually, because I, I booked on another organised trip. Because um, even though we joke about it, it was an organised trip, and I'll use that in inverted commas. Um but the so I went on another one to India with my wife um, when we were dating, and uh, we went to climb a mountain, and that was the focus of the trip. Uh, and it was a six thousand meter yeah. mountain um, in Ladakh, uh, quite an easy one. Stuck Kangri, it's called. Easy is relative as well because altitude sickness is awful, um, but it attracted mm. a similar sort of makeup of of person in terms of they're all Type A personalities, so. They're all about getting to the top and, you know, quite sporty and direct and yeah. confident, seemingly confident people. And it was interesting how you fit in, fitted into mm. the, 
the team dynamics there because you can't yeah. have a team of all A type personalities. Alpha, you know, these alpha types, it doesn't work. That's not a team, that's not how a team works. And um, I remember taking a bit of a backseat because no. I'd, I'd have been happy to be in the fastest group climbing and doing this. And I remember trying to get a bit of perspective on like, why I'm here, what am I trying to get out of this? Is it to get to the top of the hill or is it to see like see a bit of this world, this world that I've not seen before and try and enjoy some of the slower paced things that we're doing? And to, to fizz up for your, um, for your summit attempt, you had to acclimatise. And that was the main bulk of the trip was going to be walking through a lot of valleys and seeing the scenery and trying to remain well, which I had mixed success on. Yeah, which is, a, which is a, you know, it's the drama itself trying to stay. You know, when you're in a, any, any, any country abroad is that isn't, you know, <laughs> the UK. <laughs> <laughs> or, or somewhere similar, you know, any any kind of, I say, I say third world, but there's, there's places that aren't third world that I've got really run down, you know, water and food and trying to stay fit and healthy on any long trip is Yeah, especially work, if it's you know. physically demanding or there's something, there's some other element to it that demands, yeah, demands a bit more admin or demands a bit more attention that maybe you would give up. It's not a holiday. Yeah. They're keen to stress this when you book these sort of things. No. So it was interesting getting in with this group because the group dynamics was really telling. And um, luckily, you sort of, I had the confidence then to, to sort of find my own people within that group who were more akin to me. Like they weren't, they wanted to conquer the mountain, but they were more about the cultural and like um, physical space that you're in rather than, right, I've got to the top. And that's that. I've done that one now, and and I'm training for something more. You know, it wasn't like a stepping stone. It was the whole event was a thing, and I think it was because we saved up as well, and we we put our, we clubbed our money and worked to get time off work. And some of the people on the trip didn't have to do that, and weren't finding those sort of struggles, and were just thinking, right, two years will be going up Everest, and this is good training for doing that. And a fair play to them if they want to be that way, but I think they lost a bit of sight of what there was. Because they were very disappointed if it didn't go right. And number one lad couldn't get to the top of the mountain. He, he caved in without tea sickness. Um, he, like, he just went a bit quick on summit day and ended up like shelling, getting shelled from his, the rest of the group. And we scooped him up. And then he couldn't hack it and he had to go down. He got he just he went too hard too quick. And he was really down about it. Yeah. And it's because I mean, his focus was all wrong. Yeah. I mean, if you have if you have the attitude of well, I'm aiming to get to the top, but if I don't get to the top, I always try and have a, a have a sense of sort of right. Well, if this goes wrong, how am I going to feel about it? And if it goes wrong, I need to just accept the fact that it isn't going to work today, for whatever reason. You know, these places aren't going anywhere. And I grant you, not going to feel money, but you can always go back. Um, you know, I mean, like I was, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I went on on holiday, you know, a genuine holiday um, to the Maldives, amazing place. It was that amazing. I went again, you know. Now, if I had an expedition that I was set on doing, like I'm doing this peak, and I got halfway up and was, it didn't work out for altitude or sickness or injury or whatever, or the group or the weather or anything like that, I'd be like, right, well, I'm coming back. Because if I'd go somewhere to go on holiday twice to chill out, I'd, I damn right would go twice yeah. to go on an exped to see it out, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, listen, mate, we're, okay. we're coming towards the end of our time. Um, 
So I just want to say a massive thank you for for coming on and just having a, a very because an hour sounds like a long time. Not for us too. No, is that a lot of time? So <laughs> no, no. This the issue that I had with Mark as well because I know him so well. You could just talk for hours about all the cool stuff we've done. Um, what I will do though, we'll, oh we'll, please, yeah, because we'll we've got um, we'll you know we've only gone to age eighteen really, and we're nearly double that now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll get on again in the week and uh, and do another one for everyone, but. Thank you very much for, uh, for for jumping on, mate. And I just want to say a huge thank you again for everyone else for tuning in and listening. Uh, it's massively appreciated. Again, like I said, the podcast has grown and grown and it's and it's becoming quite big now. So it's amazing. And again, Neil Jonathan, thank you very much, mate. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite, travel. mate. Will do. No worries, mate. Right, you stay safe, you. all right? Bye-bye. Take care, pal. Bye-bye.